0: This is the Detroit City Cast with Dan Leach, presented by Bet Rivers. And welcome in, fine citizens. Happy Throwdown Thursday here on the Detroit City Cast, brought to you by great friends at Bette Rivers. And boy, we got a huge weekend ahead of us. Been destroying it with the U.S. Open. We got Michigan and Michigan State on Friday and Saturday night. We're getting closer to the Lions season. And my girl, one of the best in the business, one of my favorite people both professionally and personally, the angel of the big house, Angelique Schengelis, the beat writer for the Michigan Wolverines uh, for the Detroit News will join us in just a little bit. We got a lot to discuss and get into. The quarterback situation, expectations, the brand new coordinators, all things Michigan football coming up next here on the Detroit CityCast. Before we get into the betting window, just want to talk about uh, the Detroit Tigers and how this season... Has been obviously one of incredible frustration, but you know, I just I've been thinking a lot about this, and I think that next season could be a lot better than a lot of you might think out there. And and of course, September is going to be very frustrating. I know that Torkelson's coming back up, and you know maybe there'll be some nice moments throughout September just to be able to cheer for the team. But with some of the young talent. And if they find the right new general manager, I think this team would, you know, if they don't get so banged up like they did this season, things could be a lot different. And also, Serena Williams, what an incredible performance against Connaughton in the uh, second round. You know, she did it on Monday night against a much inferior opponent. And then against the number two ranked player in the world, the number two seed. Uh, who's obviously had her own injury issues with long COVID. Serena Williams finds a way after playing brilliantly at times in the first set, but giving up some breaks and then winning in that tie break, playing some really bad tennis at times in the second, and then just smoking her in the third in front of Tiger Woods and her sister Venus and Spike Lee and all these great celebrities. Just an incredible atmosphere at Arthur Ashe Stadium. She is the GOAT. I think she's the greatest tennis player of all time. She might be in the top three or four greatest athletes of all time. And she is not ready to say goodbye yet. And if you've been following my U.S. Open picks, I sure hope you have. We're going to have some picks for you coming up in just a second. You had Serena Williams. I gave, them to you, I gave her to you at plus 198. And then actually, I took her live uh, at plus 260 before the third set. So I was actually out playing poker last night. And I had a couple people fake me that had seen the, the play that I gave them. Uh, but we are now... Four and one overall. We did our for final, our first individual match losses uh, last night with Fernandez going down and just a very poor performance by her against Samsonova and then Felix. My man Felix was just terrible against the rising 21-year-old Jack Draper from Great Britain. But we're 4-1 overall, 14-2-1 overall match record. Unless I know some of those are favorites, but not two has but a lot of upsets, including. Cincy uh, Pass, who was a uh, almost minus two thousand dollar favorite, actually more than that, uh, in the first round. So, got a couple plays for you that we'll get to in a minute. But let's uh, head into the Motown betting window. And it's brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers, and you kick off college football with Bet Rivers online sportsbook. Join Bet Rivers every Saturday of the college football season for a twenty percent parlay profit boost of at least three legs. With new promotions and props every day, Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook. Download the Bet Rivers app. Or go to BitRivers.com. Today, it's a whole new game. Must be 21. Playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem. Call 800-270-7117. I will have some plays for you when it comes to college football in just a minute. But as we mentioned, the Tigers, just a very, very rough season. It's tough to even talk about him at times, but of course I'm going to bring him up here on uh, the Detroit Citycast. We're all about Detroit sports. They do lose to the Mariners. They actually played decently well for the majority of this game. Gonzalez moves to 10-12, by the way, uh, with the win with a 399 ERA. Ling gets the loss. He's 4-4 with a 4-2-1 ERA. Tigers go down 5-3. And now. They will wrap up this series with the forward-thinking, playoff thinking Mariners uh later on today, 1.10 p.m. Eastern start here in the Motor City. It's Gilbert for Seattle. He's 10-5, one of their best pitchers with a 3-4-9 ERA. And Rodriguez back for the Tigers, 3-3 three three with a 3-6-0 ERA. Remember, he came off that uh, you know, personal situation list. So he's, you know, he pitched decent the last time he was out. Uh, it's the Mariners about rivers, minus minus one sixty five a total seven and a half. Definitely uh, no play for me on this game, but I will always give you the line. And if there's something that I like in this game, I definitely will tell you. I just, as I mentioned for the last several weeks, really no trust for the Tigers whatsoever. Uh, I just don't think you don't have to bet just to bet. It's not worth it. And to me, if there's something that, I, that really stands out to me, maybe the Tigers is a huge underdog where I like him in a certain spot with a starting pitcher for the Tigers, or I like a total or an under. Uh, and over or under, I'll let you know, but I, I just really, as I've been looking at these games, there's just no value right now. I know the Tigers look good for a couple games against Texas, but um, then they got their asses kicked by Seattle in game number one. Off of that, you know, kind of offensive explosion for three games uh, against the Rangers. And then, you know, they played a hardy game last night, but in the end, Seattle too much. So no play for me when it comes to the Tigers. Let's take a look at this, the latest lines for both Michigan and Michigan State. And as I mentioned, I do have some plays for your 1-0 on the year. I gave you Northwestern plus 10.5 last week. Actually closed at 12.5, but I gave it out to you at 10.5, so we'll go with that line, but they went out right. But let's take a look at Michigan State and Western Michigan. This line was 17.5 like eight, nine days ago. And it steadily has moved up and had a big move about five days ago. We are now looking at Michigan State, 22.5-point favorites. Both sides minus 110. The Spartans minus 3,335 on the money line. The win, uh, the the money line for Western Michigan is plus 1100. Total has been very steady. Even though the majority of the money is on the over, we're seeing more juice on the under 54 and a half over minus 109, uh, under uh, minus 112. And we have like 80 plus percent of the money and the tickets on Michigan State. I have no opinion on this game. If I change my mind, I'll give it out to you tomorrow on our first Football Friday show of the year. But to me, I think Michigan State should win this game fairly easily, but it's a it's a game one. Western Michigan does have some ability to score some points for Tim Lester, but this should be basically a blowout, but you know, backdoor covers. First game of the season, in-state team. I'm staying away from it as of now. I don't want definitely. I don't like it at 17 and a half. I definitely don't like it at 22 and a half. And I definitely like I, I, I like Western Michigan plus the points at 17 and a half. I still don't like them plus the points at 22 and a half. By the way, Eastern Michigan will get it going uh, on Friday night tomorrow night with Eastern Kentucky. Well, uh, Eastern Michigan could be a Mac contender this year, and they had a chance to do it last year. Maybe this is final of the year for Chris Creighton. They're 13 and a half point favorites. Over the curtles minus 125. Eastern Kentucky, plus 13.5. Even money about Rivers. Eastern Michigan, money line, minus 670. Eastern Kentucky, plus 450. And the total, 57.5. Over, minus 110. Under, minus 110. No opinion on that game as well, but I do believe Eastern will roll in that one. And then when it comes to Michigan and Colorado State, we saw this line at 27.5 last week. And then over about a 12 hour period, it went all the way up to 30.5. And we saw some 31.5s. But guess what? There's some money coming back on Colorado State. We're seeing some sharp money once it got plus 30. Back on the, the Colorado State Rams. It is now Michigan minus 30 at Bet Rivers minus 112. And Colorado State plus 30 minus 109. Minus 10,000 for the Wolverines on the money line. That's a cheap price for you. Colorado State plus 1,600, and the total now up to 61.5. We saw a precipitous move on that as well for 57-58. Now it's over 61.5 minus 112, under 61.5 minus 109. For me, the one play, and I've given you a lot of Michigan first halves. I am considering taking the Wolverines in a first-half play because Harbaugh has had an incredible win rate when it's come to first-half uh totals. And we're not going to probably have that total or that first half number um, until tomorrow on the Fantastic or the Football Friday Show. But that could be, you know, if it's 17 or so, I think that that might be the way to go in this game. I'm not taking Michigan minus 30 and a half. They should roll Colorado State, but once again, first game of the season. Uh, and obviously, I don't really have an opinion on the total. Uh, I've told you before that if you like a big favorite, you would want to lean on the over if you like a big underdog, you'd want to lean on the under. And in this game, if you're taking the Wolverines, you've got to go over the 61 and a half. But Michigan might win this game 45 to 10, and you know Michigan covers, but they don't go over. So it's a stay away for me. Maybe a live bet this game if somehow Colorado State goes up a touchdown early and, and Michigan's minus 20 instead of 30, because uh, I think in the end Michigan is going to be just be way too much for this Rams team that does not have a lot of talent um, and was terrible last year. They do have a new coach. And things can change in a year when you have a new coaching staff. But uh, to stay away from me as of now, and you know, I'll obviously post all my plays on Twitter as well, that if things add on closer to the, to the weekend, at Dan ninety seven 97one I know some of you follow me on there just for plays sometimes, but hopefully you're listening to the show and follow me for plays. Now, I do like a couple games coming up tonight. There's a couple tricky ones. But it's going to be half-unit plays, because it's not anything really sexy to me. But I'm looking at this Pittsburgh, West Virginia game. Obviously, no Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh anymore. You're getting seven and a hook with West Virginia. They've got some talent on defense. They can slow the game down. Plus seven and a half, minus the 113. I've got a half-unit play on the Mountaineers against Pittsburgh. And then this is something actually my dad loves. And most times he's getting the plays for me. But I do think there is some value in Central Michigan with the way they can run the ball plus the 22 right now at Bet Rivers. Oklahoma State, minus 22, minus 112. Central, plus 22, minus 109. I think Central can hang in this game. Plus 22 is the number. Give me a half unit on Central Michigan. And, of course, the U.S. Open. As I mentioned, we're three, or excuse me, four and one. Overall, we've had a bunch of parlays. Some of the, obviously, early round lines are, are just huge favorites. But in the match, the overall matches we've given out, 14-2-1. 14-2-1. We finally had our first losses last night, as I mentioned, with Fernandez and Felix. Uh, I still can't believe FAA went down as hard as it did to Draper. Draper's a great player and had a great run at Wimbledon. But this is one of the top 10 players in the world, uh, in FAA. And, and believe me, he was grounded, pun intended, in that one. By the way, you can log in every day for a 20% profit boost uh, on the U.S. Open. Uh, here are the plays for today. I have a one-unit, three-leg parlay with Pagula former major champion Kvitova and Hercas. I like them all together. It pays you a plus 126. So a unit on them. And also one unit on my man, Brandon Nakashima. I think that he can take down Gregor Dimitrov. Dimitrov has not been playing, you know, at the highest level consistently. He's had some injury issues. Uh, you know, you're getting Brandon. I know this line is kind of volleyball between plus 122, plus 115 or so at Bet Rivers. Uh, I got it at plus 122. But I, I like any anything above even money. On Brandon Nakashima, and I think that he might take a first set lead in this one, and you're going to have minus money. So, if you're thinking about maybe betting it live and seeing what happens in the first set, I think Nakashima is going to win the first set. But I like him in this matchup at, in his home uh, tournament against Gregor, Gregor Dimitrov. Uh, so, I like Nakashima for one unit play and a one unit three leg parley with Jessica Pagula, Patrick Vinova, and Herkaz. Uh, that'll pay you plus 126. So, there you go. There are my U.S. Open plays of the day. And taking a look at the Lions. The Lions opening spread. We're getting closer and closer. By the way, Bills Rams coming up next Thursday. It's the Bills of Bet Rivers minus two and a half, minus 110 each way, minus 139 for the Bills in the money line. Rams and Matthew Stafford plus 115, the total 52 and a half, both sides minus 110. And there'll be a lot of special bonuses and promos for uh, Bet Rivers for the NFL season as well. So always keep you abreast of all that. And the Eagles right now still a four point favorite. Not really much movement on this the last few days. Eagles minus four. Against the Lions, minus 108. Lions, plus 4, minus 113. Eagles, money line, minus 200. Uh, Lions, plus 163. And the total, 48.5. Over, minus 109. Under, minus 112. We're going to have a full breakdown on that coming up next week. And also, a crossover episode with my man, Ryan Rossi, the host of the Philadelphia City Cast. That's going to be a lot of fun. Lions have been a great cover team, even though they've been bad. Of course, at the end of the Patricia era. But last year, they covered a ton of home games uh, for Dan Campbell. I, I'm definitely leading Lions plus four. I think the Lions have a chance to win this thing outright. We'll see. Hopefully, there's no major injury issues heading into game week. We'll talk a lot more about that coming up next week as well. All right, that's a trip to the Motown betting window brought to you by our great friends at Bat Rivers. Coming up next, the angel of the big house and all things Michigan Wolverines as we get set for the season just about 48 or so hours away. That is next on the Throwdown Thursday edition of the Detroit Cast, brought to you by Bat Rivers. Kick off football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. All season long, Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for all football related content. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app for the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and more. Every week, Bet Rivers has unique football specials to help you win big. Cheer on your favorite teams and back your favorite players with Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Must be 21, playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. And here she is, one of the greatest people, and of course, journalists as well, the angel of the big house, Detroit news writer for the Michigan Wolverines, and one of my just, you know, favorite people on earth, Angelique Chigales. It is so great to see you as always, but we got football in a few days, so this is like, uh, it's like Christmas and Hanukkah wrapped into one.
1: Uh, don't forget, we have the U.S. Open that you and I both enjoy watching. So it's like a uh, smorgasbord of of sports and and the games, you know, coming up starting Thursday night. It's going to I mean, the football games plus the tennis. I mean, you and I are living the dream right now.
0: It doesn't get any better. And I, and I love there's, I'm not saying there's not other people in this media, you know, area that respect and like tennis. But it seems like you and I are two of the, <laughs> the biggest ones and it's just such a beautiful sport, and we were talking uh, before, you know, we started uh, the interview today about Serena and, and, and what that was like on Monday night. That was one of, I mean, you covered a lot of incredible things, I mean, I have as well, but I'll tell you, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. The, the whole setup and everyone going out there and just the noise to support Serena's final run at the U.S. Open on Monday
1: it was really incredible dan and all the celebrities who were there i do think serena was like uh what is all this and and i think as an athlete she was thinking right. okay i need to prepare for my my second round match let's get this going but i mean she loved the moment it was a great moment and um you know i i was great to see Billie jean king on court and and all the respect that that serena's getting is so well deserved and and really want to, I, I want to see her make a, a deep run into this tournament. And, I mean, her second round match is going to be tough. And um, but it's been cool. And I've, I've been to the U.S. Open twice, and and I was lucky enough to go to Wimbledon this summer, and um, that just blew my mind. But the U.S. Open is is such a different atmosphere. It's so rowdy. It's it's New York. You know, it's just New York in a tennis in a tennis environment, and it's it's so cool. And and I thought it really that Monday night with Serena really captured that.
0: Two things, that, two bucket list things, Angelique, and I know I've been lucky in my in my career so far to be able to go to or cover many amazing things. I've never been to U.S. Open. I've never been to Wimbledon. Wimbledon, probably more than anything, is on my bucket list number one in the Masters. So it's incredible. By the way, two other things on Serena. No one else could have pulled off coming out with a cape <laughs> uh, on center court. That was on our thrash stadium court. And how about the story about Billy Jean? I don't know my credential. I think you'll be all right. The whole tennis Center named after you, Billy. That was awesome. Just a, just an incredible thing. So I love that we love uh, tennis, and it is, as we said, this incredible time of year. And let's talk about this Michigan team. And right off the bat, and I've talked about this on my show, Angelique, and I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how you feel about this. I think what Jim Harbaugh did, and I know some out there are saying, oh, make a decision. If you don't have two, you don't have zero. You know, it, it, what Jim Harbaugh did with the, quarter, the, the starting quarterback scenario with Cade McNamara getting his own game against Colorado State and J.J. McCarthy getting his own game against Hawaii – I think it's perfect cuz yes, you've got to make a decision eventually, but Michigan, you know, has four pretty easy games to start in their schedule. They each get their own game to start. It doesn't alienate either one of them. They each can manage, you know, their games the way they need to do it, and then after those first two games, you make a decision. I think it's to be honest, one of the the better things that Jim maybe the best thing Jim Harbaugh could have done.
1: I don't have a problem with it. And and you're right, Dan. There are people who are saying, you know, just pick one. And, and Harbaugh has a couple times in this preseason talked about, I mean, he's really dismissed that, that cliche that if you have two, you don't have one. And he said, they really do have two and they are neck and neck McNamara and McCarthy. And, and, you know, I, I, I asked Kirk Herbstreit about it on a conference call this week and, and he said the same thing, you know, this is unconventional, but the way the schedule sets up, it allows for this. And as a quarterback, like Herb Street was, and and he said he thinks Harbaugh's thinking this way as a quarterback. Um, it you want to have a whole game to get the rhythm of the game, and and you've got to deal with the ups and the and the downs, and and you know you got to get used to seeing defenses. And and he thought that this was a perfect way to handle it in that sense. Look, I I mean Dan, I think this thing this could go on for for even beyond the two games. Right. I mean, and I. At some point, I agree he's got to settle on one. And but I do think it'll be like last year. Whoever's the starter, the backup is going to play. And um, I don't know how much, but I think that that the backup will get uh, will get playing time. I don't think it's gonna it's not gonna be Brady Henson part two, but it's gonna be really interesting to see how this plays out. and I'm looking forward to it because uh, all we hear is that, that that you know, Kate and JJ have had great camps and. He's Harbaugh said Kate's not getting a demotion, but it's definitely a promotion for, for J.J.
0: Yeah, like I said, I know some will say if you have two, you have zero. But to me, if you have two great quarterbacks, it's better than having one great quarterback. Now, what do you say to the – and I think this is kind of silly. And we know how fans can get, and, and this is kind of just a total fan take, in, in my opinion, where people are saying that the only reason Harbaugh's doing this is he doesn't want, you know, J.J. McCarthy to transfer. Neither of these guys are transferring the week before the season, Angelique. I, I think that's just crazy talk.
1: Well, I don't not not at this point, but I do think it's something that's – has to be in the back of jim harbaugh's mind i mean he doesn't want to lose either one of them um you know you're looking at jj mccarthy who's a five star he's come into this program and he has done all the right things so is cade mcnamara i mean he's come in and they're very different personalities um but they're both handling their their jobs in the same way with i think some real grace and and toughness but you know, at some point, with the transfer portal the way it is, and that kind of free pass that that you get now, you don't have to sit the year. I do think that's something that that's on his mind, Jim Harbaugh's mind, and has to be on every coach in America's mind. I mean, how do they, how do they really balance things? It's it's there it was a luxury in the past where, you know, you yeah, you could. I mean, you know, we know those stories about Lloyd Carr pushing transfer papers to to different players as a. As a way to push their buttons and and to get them motivated to to stay and work, but nowadays, I mean, a, a player can easily say, "Okay, I'm out of here." And there's nothing to say that that JJ Arcade won't do that. And and I think that this is a way of for Jim Harbaugh to say, "You're both getting a very equal chance. You both get a chance to show us what you can do," and uh, he's more than willing to let this go for a while. So um, I, I think it's probably in there a little bit. Damn, but but not not his biggest focus.
0: Right, of course. And listen, as great as J.J. McCarthy is, we, we've seen it on the field and in the upside, and obviously he's the future. Cade McNamara got them to the playoff last year, beat Ohio State, first Big Ten title since 2003, so you can't forget about that. And, and to take it a step further, Angelique, you know, being around the team so far, and I know that, you know, with college, the media doesn't get the kind of access they do with the NFL, but you, being the angel of the big House, you get special access. <laughs> that, that being said, what has been the feel for you? We know this team lost a lot on defense, obviously with Ojabo and Dax Hill and A-Nutton, who I uh, take a five 5-1 to, to win rookie defense work of the year, by the way, if you want a free play today. Uh, but, you know, we know that the defense might have some question marks about who's going to fill those gaps. We know the offense looks like it's going to be really, really good, and we'll see how the quarterbacking shakes itself out. But the feel you've got around this team coming off the incredible year last year, I've looked at a lot of different metrics that I follow for people to put together power ratings, and obviously we know it's all on paper right now. I'm seeing people that I respect have Michigan as a top four team. I know it's the preseason, but people can't forget, there's still a a tremendous amount of talent there. What's the kind of feel you've gotten around fall camp so far?
1: I think top four is a little extreme right now, and I I had to do my game-by-game predictions, and I I really wanted to find a second loss, and I really hemmed and hawed they could lose at Iowa in their, their first road game of the season. They could lose to Penn State. I mean, they could... They, you know, I would I suspect Maryland's offense will give Michigan's defense some tr- problems in in game four, uh, in the Big Ten opener. I mean, and obviously going into Columbus is tough, but you know that's not your your question ultimately. It's it's what's the feeling and the vibe is they really want to prove they think that they've heard. I don't know that a lot of people have called last year's uh, performance a fluke, but you know players hear what they want to hear to to help motivate them, and they've talked about proving. Michigan season wasn't a fluke they all know that uh with aiden hutchinson and david Ojabo, with their departures you know that's 25 sacks and right. i don't think anybody's saying that they're going to replace those guys and you get the sense talking to these guys like mozzie smith has has really become a, a vocal leader for the for this team and saying look it's not going to go through two guys it's going to go through all 11 they've talked about obnoxious communication on defense where they're they're just constantly talking and um you know they they seem to feel like they've got very good chemistry on defense it's just uh, you know we got to see this defense put to the test I don't know that you're going to see it these first couple games but um finding some guys in the secondary who can do what Dax Hill did I don't know that's that's going to be hard to do too but I think they have to get away from the this notion of they have to replace those guys they have to find a way to mesh as 11 and and be their own their own defense, and I think they're going to be good. I, I don't know how good, but I think they're going to be good on defense, Dan.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you this, with all the different scenarios, you know, that they have to deal with, as we talked about, like, you know, having to recover from losing some of the best players that that went out in the draft last year, to have a schedule to start they have, obviously, is is an opportune thing. But how about the other situation? We see teams lose coordinators all the time. But to lose both coordinators, and obviously you bring in Sharon Moore and and Matt Weiss, you know, they're named the the co-offensive coordinators. And then, obviously, uh, you know, you look at Minter, Jesse Minter as the D coordinator. I mean, once again, they've got – at least to me, three very easy games to start. They'll be massive favorites. They might be a 50-point favorite over Hawaii, who just lost it over by 53 to Vanderbilt. But then, of course, as you mentioned, Maryland's offense could test them with two his younger brother. That being said, though, to replace both coordinators, what has been kind of the feel about that so far?
1: It's been pretty seamless on defense. I mean, Jesse Minner, who was a defensive coordinator at Vanderbilt last year, worked with Mike McDonald on the Ravens staff. McDonald's now the defensive coordinator there. So they speak the same language and they speak the same scheme and 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 so the players who have come back on defense say it's been it it, it it's been the same. I mean they there've been little tweaks here and there but they understand the language that hasn't changed. And it's just a different guy running the show. They all like Jesse Minner and and what he brings to the table. They all love the fact that Steve Klingscale is back for a second season. He's a co-defensive coordinator coaches in the the defensive secondary and the players just love that guy. And, you know, I think on the offensive side, that's still, to me, a little more curious. I, I mean, that's where I kind of use the, well, well you, if you have two offensive coordinators, do you have one? And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how those two work together. Sharon Moore is coaching the offensive line. Matt Weiss is coaching the quarterbacks. Harbaugh has said it will be a collaborative process. I'm not sure what that means. I mean, one person I, I believe has to call the plays. I'm putting my money on, on Shereen Moore. And I know people talk about Matt Weiss and his, his quote unquote genius. Um, but I think Shrone Moore is a guy who who really gets it. And, and not that Matt Weiss doesn't, but you know, he's, right. he's done so well coaching the offensive line, a position he played in college. And uh, he knows how to communicate with these guys. He understands what this offense is doing. You know, he, he was there with, with Josh Gaddis last year as a co he didn't he didn't call the plays or anything like that, but he he learned what the process is like. So I think that's going to help him. But it is going to be interesting. I mean, but they sure have a lot of weapons on offense to work with. So I, I'm going to be really curious how they concoct game plans every week to you know, make sure. I mean, I don't think they're, they don't go set out to make everybody happy, but everybody on that offense wants to touch the ball. And, and they've got a lot of great skill players. So I think that's going to be really fun to watch how they do that.
0: 100%. And, you know, speaking of one of those guys who wants to touch the ball, it's Ronnie Bell. And great to have him back. And what have we seen from him so far leading into the season?
1: Oh, he's been better than he was before. I've, I've heard that from everybody. I mean, even early in camp, people were texting me, have been to practice, saying, Ronnie Bell, Ronnie Bell. And, you know, he was determined to get better. And he's, he even said, you know, you, you've got a year off to rehab. If you're not better, when you come back, then then what were you doing all this time? And you know he was a he was voted a captain last year, so that sort of rolls over to this year. So he's one of the five, and uh, I think he is a real leader of this team. And you saw that Aiden Hutchinson was last year. Everybody saw uh, how vocal he was. I, I think Ronnie's got that, not the same command, but but he does have leadership of this team. So he's a very vital part of not only the offense but but the team as a whole, and and he wants to be back returning punts again. That's where he got hurt last year, and he said without hesitation he wants to he wants to be back there. So um, I, I expect big things from him. I mean he led the team in, in receiving in in 19 and 20, so fully expected to see that last year. Now he gets to do it this year.
0: Yeah, I'm telling you, Angelique, that offense. I mean we we know that. I got a question for you on the defense in a second here, but. That offense, Donovan Edwards, you know, maybe a kind of a sexy deep Heisman candidate, play core. We know what he did last year. You know, we, we just talked about Rodney Bell, you know, Johnson, Wilson. That offense could be one of the best offenses in the country. And if the defense can play at a high level, Michigan maybe I know I'm not trying to say that I agree that on those those kind of metric people that I follow and respect that they're a top four team, strength and schedule wise and and, and you know, talent wise, but maybe Michigan can be. What they were last year, maybe not as good as Ohio State right away, but this could be a really exciting year for the Wolverines when some thought it would be maybe a step back.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, you look at this offensive line. I to me, it's definitely an upgrade from last year. And and again, it's not to di- to uh, take anything away from Andrew Vistardis, but Olu Oluwatimi is is an upgraded center. I mean, this guy Absolutely. was a Rip- Remington finalist. He's enormous. From what everybody says, he's a freak. You know, they like to throw that around because he he, he is just big and strong and agile. and a Super freak. And, and, he, and he learned the playbook very quickly. I mean, he got there in January and, and he was way ahead of the curve going into spring ball. And you've got Trent A. Jones now at right tackle, and, and you got Carson Barnhart, who's the sixth, who could, they could, either one of those guys could start at right tackle. So I think they feel really good about that, then you add Eric All and Luke Schoonmaker in at tight end. I mean, I think Eric All is I think he's I really think he's gonna have a big season. I agree. But it all totally comes agree. back to who's gonna be quarterbacking and and at some point, you know, do you do you look at, at the upside of JJ McCarthy? He's a guy who everyone thinks, you know, he's got the big arm, he's he's got the mobility. He can make these big plays and take advantage of the speed of these receivers. But that's some high risk, high reward. And then you've got Cade McNamara, who, uh, from all accounts, has has also improved his game, worked on his footwork. A lot of the players have talked about, they keep saying, don't don't uh, rest on Cade's speed. They they think he's a little shiftier than people give him credit for. But is he capable of making those big throws and, and taking advantage of the speed? So I, I think it's really, in the end, it's going to come down to who's quarterbacking, who's taking advantage of of all this talent, because there is a lot there. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Blake Coram's going to have a big season. so's is Donovan. Um, they don't have a Hassan Haskins. And, and Dan, I think, I think that's a big deal, that they yes. don't have that kind of back yet. I think C.J. Stokes, a freshman, probably will be a guy who'll step in in that kind of role. Um, Tavier Dunlap, maybe. Um, but I, I think Stokes is, is a guy to, to
0: watch for. And lots of different possibilities in that offense. It should be a lot of fun. And, and speaking of the defense, you mentioned Mozzie Smith kind of being the, the vocal leader, you know, which we know Hutch was last year. But could you give, uh, it's one player or two players that maybe fans out there, should look at, and, and maybe they're going to kind of surprise them right away, is it a Jalen Harrell on the edge? Is it Junior Colson, the redshirt freshman? On defense, who could be that next guy that, you know, no one was. No one knew what David Ojabo was. The average fan didn't know who he was before last year. Obviously, people knew who Hutchinson was. But maybe who is that next player or two that could step up and make that defense be as close to as good as they were last year?
1: Well, you mentioned two of them. I, I really think that Colson and Harrell are two guys to watch for. I think a guy who who I just I thought he he really had some moments last season, and I think that that he's just gonna have a he's gonna have a very solid year is chris Jenkins. i I think he's um they were joking that that his nickname is mutant because he is <laughs> he is deceptively fast and deceptively strong. and um, I, I really think he's gonna have a big year. Mike Morris you know, I'm I'm curious. He, he's, he's got that energy kind of like Aiden had last year. Um, he's got the physique. Does he have it? I think that's something we're going to find out pretty soon in, in these early games, you know, how much does he bring to the table? And, and I have, a, I suspect he's, he's going to have a solid year as well, but I think the names that you've mentioned, and I still think at some point, Will Johnson's going to emerge in the, in the defensive secondary, but I, I think that they've got some good pieces back there as well. And, and don't rest on special
0: teams, Dan. I think that's still you
1: can't f- never. you, you never. can't
0: rest on the third phase. It's sometimes the most important phase. Absolutely, uh, Angelique. I know you mentioned uh, that you haven't done your game by games yet, but I, I gotta, I gotta throw it out there. The the total right now, the win total. I think both Michigan and Michigan State's win totals at Bat Rivers are right where they should be. Michigan State seven and a half, and the Wolverines nine and a half. I, I mean, to, to me, I think the Wolverines are going to be at least a 10-win team. I think they can lose to Iowa, lose to Ohio State, and if they lose to Michigan State at home, don't you know? talk to me for three weeks. But to to you, where do you think it's at? I know you're still going to do your your game-by-game, your game, but to me, I think that win total at Bat-Rivers 9.5 and where it's at pretty much everywhere is exactly where it should be. Could the Wolverines be 12-0? Sure. Is there a great chance? That Probably not. Could they win 11? Yeah. Could they win 8 or 9? Absolutely. It's right in that range. I think it's right where it should be at 9.5. What do you see?
1: I, I think that's fair. And I did waffle. I'm like, I'm looking at that Iowa game and the the biggest thread is playing a Kinnick. I mean, Michigan has struggled there right. the last uh, four
0: games. I those stupid pig locker rooms.
1: Yeah. He has <laughs> yes, that too. And, you know, I've talked to players, you know, older Michigan players and they just, you know, it's the fact that those fans are right on top of you. And, and a couple of them said that those guys get very educated and they, they, they heckle things that that really are uh, – they've researched well, so they get to, it gets in their heads when they hear it. And um, But, you know, that Iowa offense is still not very good, and the defense is is superb. But I'm, I just right. don't know if that Iowa offense has what it takes. But, again, we don't know what Michigan's defense is going to be like. Um, so I, I've been waffling on that one. You know, Michigan State, <laughs> Tucker and that the, the Spartans have won those last two games – and is it a mental block thing with Michigan now? I mean they at least they addressed it in at Big Ten Media Days like they did the Ohio State uh, rivalry last year and they talked very openly about it and and that's not why they beat Ohio State but maybe it is. Maybe they, you know, they were like a little more relaxed about sharing that they care about Ohio State and prepare for them every day and now they're, they're talking about Michigan State. Like they know that's a that's a top priority to beat Michigan State. But again, I mean it's, even before Tucker, I mean, D'Antonio, they prepared so well for that game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see them, you know, winning 11. I could see them, you know, about 9-11 wins, I think is fair. And, you know, I'd say for Michigan State, I'd say 9-10 wins are, are perfectly uh, feasible, too. They got a sure. tougher schedule, but uh, it, that's definitely feasible.
0: Do we think that Iowa game is going to be a night game? That's, that's kind of the way I'm feeling right now.
1: You know, I thought so, but then I was talking to. People cover Iowa, and they they were thinking it would be like an 11 a.m. Central start. So um, that would make it a little – I think that would be play in, in Michigan's favor. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, I think looking at Michigan's schedule, I mean, obviously Hawaii is a night – Hawaii, how did I say that? Hawaii. Hawaii. Is a night game. But I, I still think people want to say Penn State. I've been saying Michigan State all along
0: will be – Yeah, that's. Game. I think I think if, if Michigan State's the home game at night for sure. That's, yeah. That's what I thought for a
1: while. Yeah, because I think Penn State and Ohio State play that day – and that'll probably be the Fox Noon game. So um, I, I definitely see Michigan-Michigan State a night game, which I, I mean that just makes it. That's a good better. Yeah. Oh, I know. I think that's a great stage. I, that's a game I would want to see at night versus Penn State.
0: Yeah. I just have one request: no troubles with snaps. <laughs> Michigan State game, please. Angelique, uh, you're talking to you is always the best. I can't thank you enough for your time. I can't wait to see you, you know, throughout the season and. And uh, all the great coverage you provide. Before we get out of here, though, since we are tennis aficionados, who do you like uh, on the women's side to win it all? I, I told you, I've got my girl Coco Golf. I know you love her too. Got her at four. I think she's fourteen to one. Now she's down to like eight to one. Is, can she finally get it done, or is it going to be? What, we've had like all these different women's champions at majors for the last basically three years. No one can keep the number one ranking. What do you think happens at the U.S. Open?
1: I, I like Coco. I like your pick of Coco Golf and. Ah, uh, the two days I went to Wimbledon, um, you can queue and and try to get tickets for center court. Was able to do that the second day. So I Got to see Coco Gauff on on center court, and and that was really uh, quite a thrill. That's just so awesome. It really was great. And I, I'm just ah I really am a uh, Coco Gauff believer. I think she is, you yeah, know, she's gotten older now. I mean, she's not old, but she's she's definitely. Uh, understanding the mental aspects of the game better and um, I think uh, and that's you know something that Serena has always been her mental toughness has always been just like unbelievable and um, I think Coco has that ability and and I would I would really like to see uh, your prediction come true because I think she'd be a, a terrific champion.
0: Yeah, listen, it's not like it, when you go on a major run when you're 15. She's obviously not old, but it seems like she's old because it
1: was years ago. She just graduated high school.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Angelique, thanks so much as always. Please follow uh, Angelique on Twitter and check Gallison And hopefully, I told you, I got five tailgates for you opening day. You can come to any one of them. I'll be on my scooter. I'm going to scoot by and try to find you. Uh, but uh, you're just the best. And thanks so much for everything.
1: Thanks, Dan. I love uh, love doing this. So thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks, as always, to Angelique Shingalos. She is the best. Please follow her on Twitter at Shingalos. Can't wait to see all her great coverage throughout the season. Hopefully I get to see her again in Indy and in Miami or, obviously, you know, different sites now for the catchball playoffs uh, than there were last year. I got to hang out with her at all those sites as Michigan went on their incredible run. Uh, just love her uh, on a personal level, but she's so good at what she does. Uh, so please check out her work at, obviously, uh, debtnews.com uh, and at Shangalis on Twitter. That's going to do it for us here today. We'll see you tomorrow for the first Football Friday show of the season. Full selections for the weekend. Uh, we'll see what uh, you know. my feelings are about Michigan and Michigan State. I'm not just going to make a pick to make a pick, but I'll let you know what I think is going to happen in those games if I don't give you an official selection. We got big games all weekend long, including Notre Dame and Ohio State. Could the Buckeyes get off to a terrible start? We'll get into all that coming up tomorrow on our first Football Friday show of the year. And then we'll have those every Friday for the next several months. I can't wait. And I can't believe that football is finally back. Until next time, keep reaching for the stars. Believe in the dream. Dan Leach, the Squatch, out.